Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of of presenting special guest David Kraftchild to the show today. David has been an independent non-religious scholar of of the Torah and other Jewish texts for over 50 years studying them in their original language of Hebrew and Aramaic. He has been practicing the tarot for the last 20 years. Kraftchow is the author of 20 books, fiction and nonfiction, related to Jewish life and mystical secrets. He has hitchhiked 30,000 miles, been in two wars, and spent 50 years independently studying the secrets of creation through the Zohar and the Kabbalah. Yet, he has all this opportunity and experience to describe himself to you, and I'm just excited about having him on the show today and sharing his insight. And we're going to talk about the Zohar in greater detail. And it's with great pleasure. I welcome David to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. Happy to be here. I'm so pleased to have you here. And I know that you've dedicated a significant amount of your life to studying the Hebrew and Aramaic texts. And I just, I'm fascinated. I want to ask you what motivated you to take up spirituality on this level for your life? Simply, I wanted to know the truth. Relatively young age, I mean, I got involved in the Vietnam War. I felt very used, and I just, and a lot of chaos was going on. I got out in San Francisco, 1965, and that's why I went hitchhiking. I just, I, I just really wanted to speak to people, which is not so easy, for, at least for me, in a city. But when you're picked up by someone, generally they pick you up because they want to talk to you. And you get a great diversity of of people that you get to talk to. And you get to hear different perspectives from. And you go places you've never been in and have to try to figure out how to do stuff. And I mean, to me, I was, uh, you know, I felt that, you know, I wanted to be a writer. And I felt that I, I should go out and live and I can learn to write later. So that was really, and eventually it led me to uh, try to understand uh, what's going on spiritually. I saw it wasn't any like true way in the world, but I wanted to get a sort of an overall view is, I mean, what is going on here? Why did God create us? Who are we? I've had these questions since I was a little kid. And I wanted an answer. And when I found the Zohar and I found Torah, and because I'm Jewish, 
even though I hadn't been raised like that, I didn't know anything, but it really resonated with me. And I said, that's it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so I took on certain disciplines till today. I, I pray three times a day. I get up early and I study Torah. I, I, I keep the holidays, but I do it uh, between me and God. I, I'm not really interested in being part of any kind of religion anywhere. Relation, your relationship with spirituality sounds like it's still very profound. And I feel like it's been life-changing for not just you, but those in your life as well. I feel like you took a situation of prior disillusionment when you mentioned the Vietnam War and just going hitchhiking to me. I feel like you were searching for greater meaning, greater purpose, and you eventually were led to the path you were on that you wound up so, on. That. So the universe put you there. God, Zohar universe. Um, I have mutual respect for everything. And uh, I'll say that you were led on your path for this particular reason, to share the message you have now, to share the information that you've gained. And I want to ask you, what did you learn? The first most basic lesson that you learned and gained from this journey that you, once you embarked on it. I, I guess I learned the ancient saying that says, if you search, you will find. And I searched for the truth and I found the truth. What did you find? I found symmetry. I found symmetry throughout creation, physical and spiritual. That is the truth. And it's a very important truth because it disproves, I, I believe, you know, uh, any idea, uh, you know, that's uh, promulgated by the Big Bang Theory. I, I consider the Big Bang Theory to be a very malicious, pernicious, very bad for the human psyche that we should look out into the expanse and just think that all this just happened. And if it happened here, then it probably happened somewhere else. And my book, Zohar Beyond the Black Hole, brings, I think, is clear. And that rather of something coming out of nothing, it's rather that nothing came out of I think you were saying about how you were on this path and you were being led a certain way with it. And you're well, I mean, you know, my, I, I was, I don't know, being led. I mean, I was searching, I was searching through these books and it's, nothing is written like, uh, like straight out. They, 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 Torah is not like that. Some is here, some is there. It's all over the place because it wants you to get a fuller understanding of what is going on. And, and that's what I have seen. And I feel that what I have written is a very strong uh, refutation of the Big Bang Theory, which is just really bad for people to think in that way. And rather that, that we should think and we should teach our children that we're surrounded by light, that it, oh, this is where I was that it, it was not something that came out of nothing. It was nothing that came out of something. That makes all the difference. I, I agree 100% with that. I'm thinking of one word, snowflake. <laughs> you can't explain the perfect symmetry of something as beautiful as a snowflake, but to say that there's something master, some mastery at work that I consider divine, whatever it is, the universe, and, and that's order and that's symmetry. And I get what you're saying. Like I, I you can look at divine, you know, divine symmetry and, and just look at the, the greater, you know, how things are just so orchestrated. True. But when you see that all of this was written down 2000 years ago, describing the spiritual worlds, which we now look out with a telescope and see precisely what they were describing. The spiritual worlds are surrounding us. We're the biggest nothing in all of creation, which itself is nothing. <laughs> we are the lowest place in creation. So sure, you know, from, I mean, Thoreau, not from Thoreau, but throughout, you know, human history, people have seen, you know, all this symmetry. Nonetheless, scientists tell us, you know, tell us, you know, they have their own fairy tales and dogma, like evolution which everyone just takes as fact. And it's a, just an, another absurd theory it goes along with the Big Bang. Well, once you accept the Big Bang, then you accept evolution. 
So, you know, or it goes the other way. I, you know, however it is, it doesn't matter. The whole thing is wrong. And so when you cannot just see symmetry in the earth, you can see, at, uh, you know, symmetry in the heavens, and you can see symmetry in the ancient books that describe precisely what we see in telescopes. And Zohar corresponds to the light on the, uh, on the other side of the black hole, which got there by being engraved by the desire of God to be known in our world, a low world, see? So that's really what we're doing here. And, uh, and, and that engraving happens with a turn, and that's why everything's a spiral. Interesting. Have you felt in your own way that you're able to communicate with our maker? Oh, all my life. Can you describe that to us? Yeah, I mean, I talk, God listens. <laughs> That's it, you know? And I mean, if you know that God is there, you know that, you know, it's just a simple thing. Well, you, don't to, you don't have to genuflect, you don't have to, you know, preface anything see in torah the torah begins with the creation of the human being and and it describes how the human being is created and then you know uh dew comes up and waters the land and things grow so the question is that was backwards i mean god should have grown the food first and then created the human being. They stand up. And so there's some reason for this. So what's the reason for this? So, uh, uh, you know, the Torah says, the Torah, the, you know, the, the great people who, who studied the Torah, and, you know, and had like these wonderful insights. So he said that the first thing God wanted to teach the human being was prayer. And what is prayer? When you need something, you ask God. So as soon as he was created, he was hungry. So he said to God, no, where's the food? Just like a baby comes into the world, first thing the baby does is cry. Where's the food? Yeah. And that's how the baby makes a connection with the mother. Like that's the kind of first bonding. But here's, you know, it's the creator and creation. And this was the first bonding, the human being recognizing the creator and saying, I need food. And we're, we're all part of that same human experience. All human souls was in, were inside that first human being. See, so we all experience that, and uh, and and it's just our environment which teaches us uh, the opposite. But if, if it wasn't for that, I, I think that we'd all be very cognizant that there's a creator and the creator is here and we can talk to the creator and sometimes you know things happen miraculously we don't know how that act comes out of heaven god's not spiritual see that's why god can be everywhere to everyone all Everybody. the time but god uses the spiritual world to do the will of god i love the way you describe that i just i think i when i think of god i think of unconditional love and I think of the spiritual aspects of our, him being our creator, he, he or she, I just have my own personal concepts, but I believe it's, it's the connection we have with one another as well. It's in different forms, our, 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 our ability, our capacity to be empathetic and do amazing deeds. I feel like that's mm -hmm. an homage, you know, to our creator. Like there's the love and the goodness out there that we can all uh, tap into. Absolutely. But these, these are from the names of God. God, we, we say God is one. Yeah. If you say that means monotheism, that means that God is the highest spiritual being. And that's not true because God is not spiritual. God created the spiritual. Spiritual physical is creation. And beyond that, there's an infinite uh, array of things. We have no idea. We only know physical and spiritual. And God is beyond all of that. See, God is not the light, and God is not the heavens, God is not the earth. God is beyond that. And, and that's why we call God one, because one is unique. And, you, and God is unique within uh, uh, duality. 
Therefore, and this is the original Jewish message from Avraham, that God is everywhere all the time for everybody. So we can all, you know, turn to God and talk to God. And I do believe God listens to us. And I feel very connected. Yeah, God listens. Yeah, for sure. God never speaks, but God listens. And sometimes things come out of heaven. And we know that was God's will. God was listening to us. Exactly. I want to ask you, the number 777, yes. can you tell our audience about its significance? Well, um, uh, okay. The significance of the 777 goes back to Cain who uh, kills his brother Hevel. The first two children in the world, one killed the other. And God said that you will be uh, cursed, uh, you know, uh, but you will live for seven generations. And seven generations later, the this Torah stops its, uh, you know, uh, explain, explanation of the generations, it stops to tell this story. And the story is that there's a guy named Lemech. He has two wives. At those times, everyone had two wives, which goes back to, but I, mean, I get, get to explain too many things. Let's just stick with the, the Lemech and the two wives. And, and, and Lemech has a son. And Lemech is blind. And he and his son, they go out uh, uh, hunting. And his son said, oh, there, shoot. And he shoots. And it's his great 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 grandfather Kain. He's so upset that he claps his hands together. His son was standing there, and he killed his son. So he goes back to his wives, and he says, "No, I killed this guy. I, you know, I killed Kain, my grandfather, and I killed my son. And what can I do? I'm the seven seven seven. And God takes him and makes from him the angel of death." So that is the meaning of the 777. But there's deeper things, many deeper things. And one is that the sum of 777 is 21, which is God's futuristic name, Ihiyah. And, and so in the end, there is the beginning. So we see the 777, it ends with just like life ends physical life. But there's still a continuation. The continuation, you know, you go back to heaven where you came from. Everyone I, goes back to heaven. There's nowhere else yeah. to go. That's what I get. Same thing. I get everyone goes same place. <laughs> and everyone and stays connected to us through love. We have yeah, our ability. Yeah, and the, worst, the worst part of really of dying is the embarrassment that we feel. <laughs> it's true. It is what, what the ancients write. That's the first that's thing. I get independently of that, too. I, when I pick up on the deceased, they come back and they tell me that they have a greeter who was like a family member that predeceased them that usually introduces them that they're passed over and that that's usually an embarrassing moment at first, but then they get comfortable and things kind of acclimate and they realize that they're still connected to us. And the way I interpret it is like, it's portrayed to me in modern terms that we're like their reality show. They can watch all of us because they're in a spiritual realm. And yeah. we, those of us who are spiritual can be connected to them more than others who don't pick up on it, but that the ability. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, for me, I, mean, I really like to learn this stuff because it's important for me, uh, like to learn the truth. Absolutely. So I can speak about it, but I've never had an inclination to uh, like to use it or to try to go into a spiritual realm or something like that. I've had so many weird things happen in my life. I'm completely uninterested. I mean, just I, I, I just I, I feel it's the truth the symmetry, the simple things that we all hold in common, that's what's going to change the world. Not someone having some, you know, like these guys flying up into rockets and stuff. I mean, yeah. it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help if you do it spiritually either. I mean, if God gives that to the person, all right, you know. But, I believe but, in the advancement of mankind, and I, I champion that. But I, I think everything has a spiritual dynamic to it. I still think even your inspiration, like – the people who created those rockets and put all that technology together and put the passion to create that opportunity mm -hmm. to change our lives and create the, the technology yeah. that to me is inspirational. And that to me reflects spirituality because you have to be a visionary to look beyond your normal confines and you got to tap into a higher power, which is God. 
in the universe and that leads you to at least this is my opinion well it's not it's not god i mean it's the spiritual world you can tap right. into that absolutely you can get all sorts of things but the absolutely. real question is you know i mean why are we doing this stuff why why you know it's like it, it, you know i call it like, like to, to me it's like a, a rich person's pornography <laughs> that they're having these few minutes of exaltation and it's being you know, photographed in every direction and everyone on earth, you know, can watch them, you know, get off. And, off it, that. and, and, and it, it just like seems so wrong to me when there is so much hurt in this world and there's so much pollution in this world and we could use all that technology to, to house people and to feed people and i've felt like this since the 60s i think the whole thing is stupid i don't see what I don't we the only thing we got out of it is now they're ready to declare war in space so you know i'm just i'm 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 just i don't see any reason for it it's interesting you say that. I would just say that I I support innovation and and that's just me though. Yeah. But um, I I see what you're saying as well. I think that if you can put yourself in outer space or your own means, and you should try to dedicate at least equal means of the amount you spent to put yourself in space, put it towards charity, put it towards some public good. The kind of like a, a a footprint you'll like negate that. You know that people think you're too presumptuous that you put yourself in space through your billions of dollars. Now let's put some money towards some charities and do some real good. And now at least even out, and you can still show that you're benevolent by doing both. I guess. And, and those people have, and they have the means to do that. You know, they have the means. Yeah. You know? It <laughs> says everything about capitalism that it doesn't. You know, even in you know Ronald Reagan's world, it doesn't. It doesn't trickle down. You know, they took all this wealth and they they could have done something in the world that would have fed somebody. And uh, instead, they shot it up into outer space, and it, and they want to make a whole business out of it. That's it. They want to monetize everything. That's what's wrong with capitalism. And you know, the earth and people, you know, they shouldn't be monetized. I'll say this. I'll, I'll say this. I, I met someone who came on my show who's actually a rocket. He owns a rocket company. He's, he's extremely spiritual. Yeah, he's Michael Gustin. He's a really amazing guy. I got to interview him. You can listen to his episode. But what I got from him is he's very innovative and he's very, he's very, he's a thought changer, you know, like a change maker. And he's able to think outside the box and he's trying to create space tourism, but in his own way. And he started from nothing, self-made, he, but he's putting back towards charity too. So he's like balanced, real balanced. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I, I, no, I'm I, saying, but I, I just don't example. buy it because it's just destroying the earth. And yeah. there's no reason for it. And it's just, sure. and to monetize it, they're going to be doing it so much more. And they're trying to make all these jobs, but they don't care about the poor people. I mean, yeah, I think, I think there's got to be a responsible. Don't about the poor people. You don't have, I live in LA. I don't know how it is in Florida and Tampa, but in LA, it's just, it's a plague. I mean, people live on the sidewalks. What's wrong with us? And we're going. We do need to do something about that. We need to answer that spiritually. We need to answer that from the perspective of society. See, my viewpoint on that is: yes, if you're a billionaire, you do have certain responsibilities. But at the same time, I think society has greater responsibilities. Like it takes a village for everyone to work together to help eradicate, you know, poverty and homelessness. And how come we haven't gotten there yet? I mean, because of capitalism. Well, but there still should be some type of social safety net. I mean, we've grown up with that at least for and another we seven see, years. That's what the Congress is always fighting about. They don't want, you know, that's the, the you know, religious right. They think that people should just get what they work for. And if you didn't work, you don't deserve to live. I mean, it's a horrible kind of, you know, philosophy. I don't really, yeah, I don't know enough about it to really, you know, I'm not going to make my opinion on that. That's yours. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'll say this for myself. I'll say that. From my vantage point, it's it's it, you got to balance everything with life and, and all aspects of life. And there is always an opportunity of finding a consensus and differences of opinion. So, for example, there's there's ways to get everyone together. I mean, that's how you'll help settle societal problems. I, but we're too divided right now. We've got to try to work on that at some point. It's not going to stay divided. Well, I, I see. I have very... Um... Uh, extreme views, I think, on this stuff. You know what? You're entitled to your freedom of speech, and I never would ever. I would say, speak your mind, no matter what. Well, I, I do. I speak my own opinions as well. I'm more moderate yeah. in views, and I guess I'm yeah. just who I am. You know, we all have our own opinions, but we could we could talk and have a discourse and have a lot of great, amazing conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
Uh, yeah. I think well, we're aligned I mean, on my, a lot. My books are very based upon understanding that what we're living in is really the Roman Empire. How do you and, see? And how do you see that? Ending? Well, when when Rome didn't really fell, they fell into the church, and then eventually the church, you know, spread into the government. And we have it's just completely Roman, and people don't think like that. But you know, all the planets are Roman. The months are Roman, time is a Roman time, and it's all about fake things. I mean, just like the Roman gods are fake. So you're not going to fix the lie. You have to bring truth into the lie. So that's what I feel is the real uh, uh, strength of my books and of, of these ideas, that there are things that as soon as people hear them, they go, oh, yeah, that's what it is. For example, like I, I, you know, I love to read tarot cards because the tarot, you know, read tarot backwards is Torah. And these are, this is a very Jewish thing. And uh, through it, one is able to get a, uh, uh, a message from one's soul. So I always ask people, you know, where is your soul? And people don't know. They believe they have one, but they don't know. They think it's in their heart, in their head. They don't know. And what I explain to them, what, ex what the ancients explain is that, is that the soul is carved out of a star and is very large, but is in heaven and connects to the human being through that little tiny line of light that comes into the, uh, you know, the right side of our brain. And that's what the angel of death cuts when we die and we go back to our soul and the body falls back into the elements. And when people hear that. I believe that actually. I agree with that. Yeah, that people hear that and they go, oh, yeah, that's that, you know, it, it just because no one ever said it before. They always knew it. I get that. What you're saying, I, it resonates with me. I believe that the yeah, body, yeah, yeah. the soul leaves the body. And the way you said the cutting of it, it's the same idea, the separation of body and soul. Yeah, yeah. And when people hear that, because back they, they, they have just this uh, innate sense of that. And as soon as someone says it, they go, yeah, that's right. They don't have to prove anything. They just, oh, yeah, that's right. They smile because now they know where their soul is. <laughs> I mean, the way I describe it, I, I describe that energy of the universe is all interconnected as one. And I feel like when we cross over, uh, we go back to that source of light, as you call it. And we, we're in heaven, basically. We're all back to where we were. But we're with all the relatives that predeceased us. And everyone's very the same. The only thing is we don't have our bodies. We're just spirit. And we're actually upgrades, obviously, because spirit is more perfect than infinite. And our physical yeah. avatars are our physical well, body. It's a whole way of getting back to our soul, of who we truly are. Yeah. So it's not so kind of one-dimensional. It's like it's a real, it, just like life, physical life is a trip. Coming back is a trip. It's not like just we're all back with our relatives, you know. And uh, generally, you know, it says in the Zohar, if the person lives for a thousand years, when they die, it's all like one day. Yeah, I believe time doesn't exist on the other side, too. We well, it exists, but it's everything is so much larger and is so much more, you know, brighter. That, that it's, it's like, yeah, much more vivid. You're supposed to forget. Right. If you can't forget, you can't go into heaven. So there's all these apparatus that one goes through in order to forget. So eventually you can get back to your soul. But it's not such a not Nothing is simple. And that's the beauty of creation because God didn't create things, you know, simple. This is this whole magnificent apparatus that when you see how it works and how we are the recipient of all of it. Because this is where God wants to be. So this should, you know, uh, uh, like bringing a candle into a dark room. Just disperse like that. all the different That's things. Good. You know, the evolution, the bang, the religion. All, none of it makes sense before the truth. So that's always what I've been striving for. And once that I started seeing this, I've worked on it for many years and writing books about it. So that's what I want to put out into the world. That it's not about some sort of dogma or some sort of, you know, uh, you know, uh, explanation that someone has to believe. But it's just like a like a, a textbook 
where one can look out. We have all the information now and see precisely what the Zohar, which is the highest level of Jewish teaching, the most uh, mystical, describes. So, you know, if you have an ancient description of reality and you have a modern description of reality and they fit together, we, we should be able to say, now that's reality and throw the rest out. So Have that's what I'm trying to achieve with my uh, writing. How difficult was it for you to translate the languages? I have a very language. difficult time with language, uh, particularly, I, I, you know, I'm autistic and, and I can't remember sound. That's my thing. So because of that, like even like I said, I pray three times a day. I couldn't do any of it without a book. I can't, so in a sense, every time I learn, in a sense, I'm relearning these words over and over again. That's your truth, though. Helps you get to your truth. Yes. The, re the repetition of it and Absolutely. the understanding of it. Absolutely. Because through that, you gain, it's like, it's active prayer. It's like active meditation. Like, like Yes. Well, it says that the commandment to study Torah is not how much you study, but how hard you try. I love that. So I feel having to do that makes it difficult for me. So I, I you know, I'm, I'm doing the mitzvah. You know, I'm doing the commandment because I'm having div. I can't just run through it, which is good because it slows the person down and you have to reflect on things and whatever it is. I'm not great at the language, but somehow my eyes are open to the concepts. And I'm able to get them. Like, I couldn't read a Hebrew newspaper. I couldn't talk to anyone in Hebrew. And there's many books, you know, you know, books in about Torah that are just closed to me because I can't, I, I haven't learned them. And they have different ways of speaking. Same Hebrew, but different ways of using them. And different people wrote them. And they had a, So, you know, I, I have a certain part of that which, uh, you know, I feel really comfortable in. And that's, you know, the most, you know, particularly the Zohar. I, I, it's funny, last Shabbat, say, yeah, it's been the Shabbat, you know, studying Zohar. So at the end of the Zohar, at the end of the Shabbat, and I felt, oh, yeah, it was an hour. Maybe I should learn something else. I picked up another book. I couldn't understand the thing in it. So I thought, well, I tried to pick it up. I couldn't understand the thing in it. And I felt the Zohar was yelling at me. <laughs> Why did you put me down? <laughs> <laughs> Did you figure that out? Well, I went back to the Zohar. <laughs> but it was just an interesting experience, you know. That, I, uh, and I think, you, you know, with me, I, I have those kind of real, uh, I don't know, uh, I have this connection with these books. These are alive books. They, they've been learned by people for, you know, 2,000 years? Hundreds of years. Some of them found the Torah. I learned Torah every day. You know, it's 3,500 years old. Wow. That's old. Yeah, that is. That's very... And, and we've been doing that. The Jewish people in the Torah, 613 commandments, and we've been doing them for 3,500 years. Wow. Not everyone, but enough of us that, it, you know, we're able to uh, transfer it to the next generation. I told you, I think we, we talked about this. And plus, we've had all these enemies always wanting to kill us. And I mean, it's really been something being Jewish. I think I told you off the air before we, I'll bring it up to the show that my mom has always told me that I'm Jewish because I come from her and she comes from a Jewish womb, my grandmother. So that That's would still true. make me Jewish, right? I'd still be Jewish. That's what gives you a Jewish soul. Okay. And how what does that you do in your life will never affect that. You will always have a Jewish soul and you'll always have the responsibility to do the 613 commandments. And whatever of them you do, many of them you do, you don't even know you're doing, <laughs> you know, but, but many, you know, whatever you do, you, that's, that's what your Jewish soul did in this world. I always feel connected to Jewish faith and Jewish traditions. I've just been raised Catholic, but I'm just, I'm just a spiritual person to myself. My, my grandparents and my mom, we've just had a, you know, I got my communion confirmation. All that. I am Catholic, but mostly we pray one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's not like an organized religion. It's just a personal role. But the way we live our life is by that code, you know, that moral code that you just know is right. From yeah. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, I've had authors come on and talk about the golden rule. Like 
the Ten Commandments, you know, in Christian faith, the Ten Commandments, and then any additional aspects of that type of stuff. You just, you know, you just know what to do in certain situations and what not to do. Well, yeah. That's you a know, generalization. You, know, you have humanists, yeah. you know, who are just want to be good human beings. But uh, the thing is, see, that Catholicism is the first religion. There's no religion before Catholicism. They're the ones who introduced this idea to the world. And the only reason that other faiths call themselves religion is because then they don't have to pay their taxes. None of them, you're, you're religion, pay your taxes. And so that, but it, it pollutes them. Soon as they do that, it pollutes them because they, the, the whole, you know, Catholic religion thing. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of things I could say about it, but I, you know, yeah. I respect the fact that you're, you're Catholic, but it's, it's just, it's um, not prophecy. I'm like Catholic light though. Like I, <laughs> huh? yeah, the way I live my life, I'm basically Catholic light. Like I, you know I mean? I, right. I have my own belief systems in those ways that I, how has your experience been with Catholics or Christians when you talk and share your opinions? What do they usually say? Well, you know, or how does the discourse go usually? Most most of the time, they just have this unshakable faith, and there's nothing you can say to them. And it's being reflected in our society that people are doing the same thing with Trump. You know, there's nothing you can say to people that's going to dissuade them because they've made this kind of leap of faith. And so a lot of people have that. So it's not a matter of logic with Christianity. But when I bring up the Jewish aspect of it, you know, they don't have a good response. One one preacher, a woman, she said to me once, well, he was the best Jew. And it was just a horrible thing to, I mean, the whole thing is terrible. I mean, if you want to pray to the cross, whatever it means to you, all right, but you can't inflict the Jewish people with this. From the time I was a kid, I used to go to parties and there was a Catholic school and the girls would get drunk and start screaming at me how I killed God. And I've heard this all through my life. People have said this shit to me. And that's just wrong. It's libel. It's just libel. I mean, there's no other way to present it. How do you reconcile in terms of trying to get society around the differences between you and say a Catholic or someone else like differences of opinion? Because I feel like you got to find a bridge that brings people together rather than separate. You can't overly, if you create too many divisions, you'll never have that opportunity to have real dialogue and understanding. And I'm all about you know, increasing yeah. dialogue and understanding. So I respect your individual opinions. I, I, mean, yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with your opinions. I'll say that my things yeah. are different. But we can be respectful of each other because we're both spiritual people. Yeah. And I respect yeah. that you can share your opinions. I feel like when you're telling me, I, I, I can hear what you're saying. And, I, and the thing that comes from me is I wish there was a way to find some type of way of bridging gap. I don't know how you could bridge your opinion with another, you know what I mean? How you. Well, here's the consensus. thing. I mean, I've studied a lot of different things, I've been a lot of different places, and, I own the own, and they all can fit within Torah. They all can fit within Torah. They all make sense, except for Christianity. You know, everyone else understands there's reincarnation. Well, everyone understands that guy that there's no one life and you go to hell. I mean, this stuff is so bad for the human being, and no one think no one uh, teaches that except the Catholic Church. Have you had any media press reaction to the release of your book yet? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, you know, uh, uh, in a sense, we've we, 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 we just began. Yeah, I've never been able to get my books out there. I just write one after another, but it's very hard. I, I don't really have resources. And uh, but but uh, suddenly someone just dumped, uh, you know, a few thousand dollars on me. So I was able to hire a uh, a uh, a book promoter. So we've been doing that now for, uh, I guess we're in our second month, you know, so we've, we've done a lot of work and the, the publication date is August 17th. And I think that these are di- ideas are just so important to get out into the world. 
So I'm just really, I'm doing podcasts, writing, you know, uh, essays, whatever I can do to try to uh, uh, wake people up to this, because this knowledge is really, it's such a beautiful knowledge. And it affects every part of life, from our sex life to our spiritual life and everything in between. And, uh, uh, and I, you know, and generally people that I talk to about this stuff, because I, I do a lot when I read tarot cards, I'm always, this is the way I I'll help people understand where they are in the world. When you say you read tarot cards, are those like the traditional weight tarot deck, or are they a yes. They are. That's okay. why we read the wider the writer weight. Okay. Okay. Is that accepted within Jewish faith? The tarot no. card? No. Okay. But there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how, yeah how is it? There's one book that got picked up by a publisher, but uh, and they sent it out to like 20 different Jewish publications, and no one would review it because it was true. So the only way they could deal with it is just, you know, just turn their back on it. Why would they turn their back on it, you think? Because of the rabbis. The rabbis, they decide what's Jewish and what's not. Have you challenged that ever? Or at least at this stage of your life, have you challenged this? Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's, uh, you know, they kind of thrown me out because I do challenge them. And, they, and, and you're not supposed to do that. Torah is the kind of thing that, you know, if you're not right, you have to say you're not right doesn't matter if you're the rabbi, the rebbe, you know, you have to say you're not right. And, and, and they're not willing to do that. They just want, so they become dogmatic. They become religious and they become dogmatic. And these are not Jewish things. So they've led the whole Jewish people off into this religion, which is really closer to the church than it is to the Torah. That's it's. I just think it's complicated when you think about people's belief systems. Like I have a high tolerance of people who want to worship whatever they want they can, and like for Catholics or Christians or whoever, I just feel like, you know, whatever they believe, I, I respect their opinions. I have my own private opinions of what I believe because I'm psychic and I'm intuitive, but I have very open spirituality in that respect. I like to have the idea of having you on to present a Jewish perspective. Yeah. Even if there's differences of opinions with things. Um, well, I mean, I agree with that, but if it comes to libel, I mean, this is just libel. You can't, you, you know, I, I was, you know, in 2003, when Mel Gibson came out with his movie, uh, the uh, something, this sort of story about Jesus being crucified. I forget what it was called. The, the, Passion of Christ? Huh? Passion of Christ? Yeah, I think that was it, the, you know. And I called the Jewish Defamation League and I said, they need to put a disclaimer on their movie because there's no proof this ever happened and it's just libelous. So, all right, you want to say something libelous? You know, you have to put a disclaimer on there. You can't say this is true. And this guy said to me, he was a lawyer, and he said we would never attack someone else's faith be true. And so I agree, people can believe whatever they want and still they, until they start you know, talking about the Jews. No one has a right to do that. Oh, I agree. has a right to make the villain, you know, a black person or a yellow person or They're any other people. person yeah. or race, you know, that some race is somehow evil. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is, these are, this is libel and we, we should not allow people, uh, you know, to be able to have a religion around that and not pay any taxes. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, I've dealt with this all my life. I got to the point of my life where I'm just going to say exactly, you know, what I uh, have found and, yeah. and let them deal with it because the rabbis are afraid to say this. They're in bed with the church and they're afraid to tell the truth to the Jewish people. Have you, have you received positive response from the Jewish community? And like for the rabbinical community, like what kind of response have you gotten in terms of your viewpoints? I, I've been asked to leave. So they don't give you a, a space at all? No. Why is that? You think? Because it's religion and they have, you know, it says that they, they, the rabbis were supposed to make a fence around the Torah. But instead they made a wall and they walled themselves in and said, the only way you can get it is you have to come inside our walls and live inside of our walls. And I learned enough that I could go out on my own and take the books 
and I don't need them. I don't need to be in their walls. I want to be out in the open. Just, I don't think anyone has a right, particularly spiritually, to restrain people like that, to try to take that kind of authority and say, no, you can't do this. I mean, who are you? You know, God gave us all the Torah. We look in the Torah, we can see what the rabbis do. We can take advice from it, but no one has the right to tell us what to do. You know, and I think the Muslims, you know, we're the, the uh, Semitic people, Muslims and Jews have the same thing in the Quran. No one has that kind of authority. You know, it's still become a religion and then they make a whole hierarchy. And if you don't do what they say, leave. That's religion. It's, interesting to, think. Like it's interesting to think of different perspectives on these issues because of how, you know, some people are raised a certain way, even across the United States. There's different dates across all 50 states and there's all different belief systems. And I've, I've been blessed to know different people that have very different religious views, but we don't ever let that get in the middle. Like, you know, it's always something that we respect mutually with each other. And, well, I think um, we're all on our road, you know, we're yeah, all on our to. road. We all have this individual thing, but I, you That's know, I, I mean, I really, I mean, if you're a Christian, it might have a different way of how they understand things, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't generally want to, you know, because not everyone can receive this stuff. And we're doing a program where I, we're talking, frankly, totally know, my, book, my, my book absolutely goes into this. You know, and I think it makes, I mean, all we have is our logic. You know, we believe in things we don't know. And, and we know through, you know, generally our logic. So things, if we want to have a conversation with someone, you know, we want to, uh, you know, attack the logic of it. I mean, if my stuff is illogical, that's why I challenge the rabbis, illogical, Point it out so they just won't read it. But in searching for truth, that's what we look for is logic through everything. That it all has to fit together. That's the truth. The philosophical approach. Yeah. I could see that. Now, what I mean, the reason I say that, I remember back in college, we had a Socratic method that we studied a lot of things and analyzed a lot of different things to try to search for the truth of things. Yes. And it sounds like part of what you're doing with this stuff is you're kind of not exactly like that, but there's a, a methodology to what you do when you search for truth. You look at certain things, you consider certain options, you look at outcomes. I feel like you kind of interpret. Right. And the Greeks got it from the Jews. Is that Jewish mysticism? What? What I pick up on the energy, the, the, the strength of the energy that you use when you can feel things and I feel like there's a special energy to it. Well, it's not, again, you have a Jewish soul, no matter where, if you're in a church or, you know, I mean, when, uh, you know, when I was going through. I resumed the recorded at positive. Okay, just that, 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 that's fine. I, I'm sure it's on my side, but. It's okay. I... No way. We're doing whatever we can with what we got. I was going to say to you, okay. it's just exciting to have these conversations, even with differences of opinion. I mean, I told you I'm. I definitely view differences with the Christian stuff that you brought up. But at the same time, I also want to give you the opportunity to speak your opinions because they're important. And I feel like the expression of opinions, no matter how different they are, as long as they don't incite violence like January 6th, yeah. <laughs> could be, should be expressed and it should yeah. be considered because there were things you said I disagree with, but I also want to consider it. And I also want to hear what you have to say, because it, you yeah. know what, you can help shape paradigms that I look at things. Right. And Would you, you have, have, and you and have. Actually, it brings us back to the 777. It's enlightenment, right? This is enlightenment. And I didn't quite finish with that because, see, in the year, it was 2017 uh, when the eclipse crossed America. I remember that. The year was 5,777. 2020, when they declared the pan, you know, COVID pandemic, there were 7,770,000,000 people in the world. So this is, and start to be humans, start to coordinate with the rest of the world instead of trying to dominate them. America, because we're an immigrant country, we're made of people throughout the world. How we change the world changes. And we have had enough of capitalism, communism, socialism, you know, I just want to thank David for coming on the show today. Uh, something froze, the screen froze, and we're having technical difficulties and we're running out of time. But I want to thank David for coming on the show. 
And I, I will have his information about his book, the Zohar. It'll be in the show notes and you'll be able to see that information and look up his information. And I'll just say, you know, while I don't always agree with the positions of our guests, I respect them and I respect people having their own ability of expressing their viewpoints. So anyone in my audience that disagrees with the viewpoints presented today by David, just know that we can respect differences of opinion. I want to thank David for coming on the show and I respect everything that we discussed regarding spirituality and, and just looking at the big picture of things. So stay positive because when you're positive, anything is possible. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement. Inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast. ElectroCast.